0: Welcome to Insights, a production of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Insights is an audio podcast that provides perspective on the opportunities and uncertainties facing investors today. Today's program, the Market Insights Notes on the Week Ahead.
1: Hello, this is David Kelly. I'm Chief Strategist here at J.P. Morgan Funds. Today is July 30th, 2018. My father was, for want of a better description, an Irish Victorian dad. As such, although he cared deeply about all his children, he usually shied away from direct conversation about personal subjects and tried to get his point across in other ways. In my case, this frequently entailed the use of emissaries. Once when I got a bad school report, rather than speaking to me about it himself, he called up the school principal and asked him to discuss it with me. Even more embarrassing was the time years later when he asked me as a favour to drive from Lansing to Ann Arbor to meet a German professor friend of his, only to discover that the real reason for our get-together was the relaying of advice to me regarding my upcoming marriage. Another instance occurred when I started undergraduate school and was considering minoring in politics. My father held strongly negative views on soft subjects in college, and he regarded the study of politics to be just such a waste of time. So on this occasion, he deputized another friend of his, who was actually the head of the politics department, to try to convince me to ignore politics and focus on economics and history. To this day, I'm not sure if that advice was good or bad, as far as I was concerned. However, for the Federal Reserve, which holds its fifth FOMC meeting this week, the advice is sound. They should, and probably will, ignore politics and instead focus on economics and history. Ignoring politics starts, of course, with disregarding any advice from the President or Congress about the conduct of monetary policy. The independence of the Fed, particularly when it comes to monetary policy, is a key pillar of our financial system. But ignoring politics also means offering no public opinion on the wisdom of last year's tax cut or policy decisions regarding trade or immigration. The Fed should, however, consider the likely impact of these policies on the economic environment because this affects the appropriate path for monetary policy. In particular, the tax cut does appear to be stimulating stronger demand growth. While second-quarter real GDP growth was a little weaker than some lofty expectations, including my own, and, continued downward revision, and contained downward revisions to three of the last four quarters, revised history still shows a gradual acceleration in year-over-year growth to 2.8%. In addition, a sharp decline in inventories last quarter should be followed by a bounce-back in the year ahead, boosting economic growth even as worsening trade deficit subtracts from it. This week's data on personal income and spending for June and light vehicle sales and purchasing manager indices for July should provide some clearer guidance on the current quarter. Longer term, there are already some signs of weakness in the traditionally cyclical sectors of housing and autos, and while the US economy should maintain a close to 3% year-over-year growth rate for the next few quarters, fading fiscal stimulus should cut growth to 2% or below in the second half of next year. Importantly, real GDP growth creates jobs with a slight lag, so that even if growth slows later next year, the unemployment rate could fall to 3.6% by the fourth quarter of this year, and 3.2% by the fourth quarter of next. Importantly, the June employment report included a spike in labour force participation. However, the growth in the labour force is now experiencing dual headwinds, from a wave of baby boom retirements and falling immigration. Data released last week from the State Department showed immigrant visas falling year over year for at least the fourth month in a row, with non-immigrant visas also lagging, Any fall in the labour force or any sharp increase in wage growth in this Friday's July jobs report would provide further evidence of a labour market headed to its tightest levels since the early 1950s. The Fed will also be watching inflation. The personal consumption deflator for June, due out on Tuesday, should show an increase of 0.3% month-to-month and roughly 2.3% year-over-year. There are a few signs yet in wage and consumer price data of inflation getting out of hand. However, there are plenty of anecdotal reports of tariffs or the threat of tariffs adding to consumer prices. In the short run, the Fed will have to consider the potential inflationary threat if trade conflict escalates. In the long run, however, they should worry about the depressing impact of diminishing trade on both the US and global economies if tariffs in 2019 are higher rather than lower than they are today. In summary, this intersection of policy and economics should stiffen the Fed's resolve to continue to raise rates over the next few quarters but also suggests a more cautious approach later next year. History also points to the need for caution in Fed tightening. At Alan Greenspan's last FOMC meeting as Fed chair in January of 2006, the FOMC boosted the federal funds rate from four and a quarter percent to four and a half percent. Subtracting out core CPI inflation of 2.1 percent of the prior year implied a real yield of 2.4 percent, a little above its historical average. A lack of supervision in the mortgage market had fostered a housing bubble. However, there was little evidence elsewhere of an overheated economy. Despite this, when Ben Bernanke took over, he presided over three further rate hikes in the next three meetings, pushing the federal funds rate to five and a quarter percent. This only worsened the potential problems in the housing market and contributed, with many other factors, to the severity of the financial crisis. The classic Federal Reserve mistake has always been to over tighten late, amplifying the business cycle that they were attempting to tame. This piece of history should be very relevant to the Fed by next summer. At their current pace, they would have boosted the federal funds rate four more times by then, to a range of 2.75 to 3%, which, in a new normal economy, is roughly where they perceive the neutral federal funds rate to be. They should, and perhaps will, stop there, to avoid overburdening a slowing economy. Avoiding a second policy mistake involves digging deeper into the history books. Back in 1936, even as the US economy was only slowly recovering from the misery of the Great Depression, the Federal Reserve was fretting about excess reserves in the banking system. These were reserves the banks held over and above legally acquired levels, and the Fed was worried that if they were, to u- were used to back an expansion of the money supply, they could spark a breakout of inflation. As it turned out, the banks, traumatized by their Depression experience, actually wanted the safety net of excess reserves. When the Federal Reserve doubled reserve requirements in 1936 and 1937, the banks just curtailed lending to maintain this cushion. The result was a second deep recession that really only ended with the massive spending of World War II. This is relevant today as the Fed normalizes their balance sheet. The banking system is holding massive quantities of excess reserves. However, as Chairman Powell and others have pointed out, banks may actually wish to do so longer term, both to meet more stringent liquidity rules and because of uncertainty about future regulatory conditions, including Fed stress tests. Because of this, while the Fed can probably stick to its current balance sheet reduction plan for now, it will have to re-examine this carefully in the year ahead to make sure that it doesn't encourage banks to reduce lending to maintain an excess reserve cushion in the face of a still-changing and uncertain regulatory environment. For investors, the backdrop remains mildly positive for U.S. equities and mildly negative for U.S. fixed income. However, despite a sadly deep political divide in America, investors, like the Fed, should look beyond politics and focus on the lessons of economics and history. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week. And if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your J.P. Morgan representative.
0: This content has been produced for information purposes only. And as such, the views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or recommendation to buy or sell any investment or interest thereto. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the recipient. The material was prepared without regard to specific objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular receiver. Any research in this asset has been obtained and may have been acted upon by J.P. Morgan Asset Management for its own purpose. The results of such research are being made available as additional information and do not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, statements of financial market trends, or investment techniques and strategies expressed are those of J.P. Morgan Asset Management, unless otherwise stated, as of the date of production. They are considered to be reliable at that time, but no warranty as to the accuracy and reliability or completeness in respect of any error or omission is accepted. They may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. J.P. Morgan Distribution Services Incorporated. Copyright 2018 J.P. Morgan Chase & Company.